my day we could do a podcast about old memes ghosts, Meme- ghosts of memes past um ghosts are kind of memes think about they're it. like memes of the soul <laughs> um well, like can... beyond our mortal selves the meme plane yeah uh welcome to the poltercast yes um i'm, I'm not hamish i unfortunately am and <laughs> and also uh, Tiffany is with me. Yeah, also I'm here. Um, last episode I asked about Star Wars. Um, this episode, um, I want to talk about the ghosts of the franchise known as Super Mario Brothers. Mm. In particular, King Boo. Yeah. And someone on Twitter, and I had strong feelings about this. I've not seen this. Asked, is King Boo... The ghost of a king, mm. or a boo that became a king. Mm. I assumed it was a ghost that became a king. See, that was what I said as well. Yeah. My justification for this was that I feel that in the Mar- in Luigi's Mansion in particular, the definition between boos and ghosts is made quite clear. Yeah. I think boos aren't actually dead people. No, I think they're like spirits like separate things yeah kind of like how fairies and stuff aren't yeah or like willow the wisps aren't dead people they're just a separate spiritual being born dead yeah and the rest is drag <laughs> and the rest is magic um okay well that's that debate then <laughs> sorry to shut you down we just keep you. agreeing yes. um what do you think listeners but do you have any good uh early spooky video game memories like, were you ever scared by Mario <laughs> ghosts? I wasn't. I did find them quite creepy. There's, like, especially the older levels where they're always quite sparse. Like when you compare them to like video games of today. So the ghosty levels were sort of extra creepy for that in a way. But I think cause I didn't play a horror game for quite a long time because even though I liked creepy stuff, I think that added like. Um, mention of that you're involved yeah i couldn't i didn't like that um so the scariest thing that i ever played i didn't return to it for years was i have this lord of the rings game for ps2 mm-hmm. and it's like i thought when i bought it have you played this have you got this game no but i have something relevant but um to say. like it looks on the outside it's obviously it came out when all the films were big and yeah. stuff and it looks on the outside like it's... I assumed, oh, Lord of the Rings is a tie-in. Like, it would be like the film. But actually, it wasn't. It was actually, like, based on the books more. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this one bit where you have to get out of Hobbiton as Frodo and the ring wraith on a 
horse keeps like riding around and you have to like escape it um but you have to like watch out or else it like catches you and then you have to start away from the beginning and because i was a stupid child i didn't save so (laughs) (laughs) and it creeped me out so much i never went back for like years afterwards Mm. i found that terrifying well my most terrifying video game experience is another peter jackson movie adaptation which is the king is called king kong peter jackson's king kong the official game of the movie is terrifying i don't know if you've seen peter jackson's king kong i i did actually yeah i saw it in the cinema you know they go to like the bottom of the pit and get eaten by insects and it's horrible yeah. that's like 90 percent of the game <laughs> like most of the game is you playing as a human on skull island with there's no like hud there's no like bullets or anything yeah and most of the time you just have like a stick or like one gun and you have you to find out how much ammo you have you press a button and you hear um the actor who played him like i've got like i've got three bullets left oh so you don't play as king kong no but you do in brief moments (laughs) but most of the game is just like trying to you just like go in caves which are dripping and you hear a hiss and you like have to like put fire on your stick and hope there's no megapedes oh my god like man-sized millipedes uh, and they just like slink around the walls and it's honestly the most terrifying experience ever and we bought it recently again when I, i was living with mal and she had a ps2 and i was thought that it would be fine now but it's just not it's horrible Another one I really didn't moment that freaked me out was in PlayStation One Chamber of Secrets <laughs> <laughs> when, like you know, like the basilisk and the walls, yeah, yeah. you hear it. Like for some reason, like playing that and it's like coming out of like a lesson, you just hear <laughs> like it really and like with low polygon. <laughs> <laughs> I associate you completely with the Harry Potter PlayStation games. <laughs> Sometimes I forget when I meet up with you that you're not, like, badly polygons and, like, have a horrible <laughs> PlayStation Hagrid face. Oh, apparently. Yeah, that's a dream. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of dreams. Also, the Rugrats PlayStation 1 game was quite scary. <laughs> like, it didn't freak me out, but, like, in hindsight, it was... There's this one level in a toy shop that was quite freaky. And then there's, like, these... Because you know there was Reptar. Mm-hmm. And then I'm had... familiar with yeah. Reptar. But then there was that... He, there was basically their like version of King Kong mm-hmm. I can't remember what he was called but it's just like a big gorilla with glowing red eyes and there was in this toy shop this these like big mechanical toy versions of this gorilla wandering around that you have to start out of that was quite scary and also when the goose steals the grandpa's teeth mm. there's a whole level of that and that is extra terrifying in Playstation 1 graphics <laughs> um yeah I actually I found um uh, Mario 64's Haunted House level pretty creepy um, just because the music is just like yeah. and you just see floating eyes and pianos coming alive and it's pretty nightmarish mm. um, but I still found like the big fish that eats you creepier because <laughs> it was just more frightening I didn't want to die um, okay do you know who goes first this week? I think it's me because we did M- Enfield Post with us Okay, time. yes, so... I think mine's quite short. I thought it was longer than it. I, was, I thought it was longer, but then actually looking at it, it probably won't. But I've got bonus content from the Just internet. Just say it very slowly. Okay, mine hasn't got a very interesting title, but it's cool. It's about the Biltmore Hotel 
Mm, fuck it in. <laughs> just say the the Biltmore. Built. Biltmore. Yeah. Just say the Biltmore Hotel haunting. Yes. I don't even know if there's ghosts in there. So. There are ghosts. Um, so the built Biltmore Hotel in Providence, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming was built more than other hotels. <laughs> um, it's built. Yeah. Um, it was the inspiration for Stephen King's Overlook Hotel in The Shining, Ooh. and also also the Bates Motel. It's got a good um, track record then. Yeah. Um, it was named America's Most Haunted Hotel in 2000, so it may not be the <laughs> most haunted now. Okay. It's been quite a while. Um, so, built in 1918 and financed by Johann Lies Weishoff, who was a proud, well, you say that, he was oh. a proud Satanist, so he might be still cooking. He might be hearing it from the future. Yeah. Um, he intended to use the hotel to familiarise the local Puritan New England residents with his religion. And it had a chicken coop on the roof to supply the sacrifices at weekly masses, and hot springs in the basement for purification rituals, and um, also there grew from that a rumour that there are actually well pools of blood, but that is <laughs> probably not true. And the Bacant girls, who were new waitresses at the Bacant dining room, and one of my sources said it would be better known as the Bacant Orgy Pit. <laughs> um, famous attendees of this dining room included Douglas Fairbanks, Zelda and F. Scott Fitzgerald, and Louis Armstrong. Mm. So as well as the Satan, as well as the Satanism, Weiss, I shall remember his first name, Johan, mm-hmm. um, was tied to the Rhode Island mob. So, uh, so Rhode Island in the 1920s, it was the state least likely to follow prohibition laws, and even government and law officials just drank freely, with like the Biltmore being sort of a hot spot um, to go and get your booze. And you could like get a crystal glass of wine for a quarter. So oh. I don't know what that would be today. I mean, I don't know if that's. I think that was probably quite expensive back then, but not too bad. Um. Between 1920 and 1923, no, 1933, six police officers were implicated in eight murders, all of them built more. Oh. Mm. Because they originally said prostitute in my thing, but I don't see how any eleven-year-old can be. No, they're not a sex worker. They're being trafficked, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, was drowned in a bathtub by a cardinal, which is disgusting. Um, so the ghosts of these victims have all been seen. the The main ghost who's been seen around is a financier who lost all of his money in the crash of nineteen twenty nine. Um, when he received the news that he was completely bankrupt, um, he was staying in a room on the fourteenth floor, and he became so overwhelmed by despair that he threw himself outside out, off the window. Sorry for my wrestling. Um, <laughs> as well as haunting the room on the fourteenth floor that he was staying in, he also has been seen wandering around the rooms that he passed on his way down. Ooh. Um, 
and guests staying in those rooms claim that they've seen someone fall past their window, but they don't find anybody when they rush down to look. Mm. So after the hotel bars close, the drinking, dancing and laughing of decades past can still be heard echoing throughout the hotel, which um, is very, which is very like in The Shining, where mm, yeah. the party carries on going. Um, perhaps most ominous is that guests have been disappearing from the hotel at night, never to be found. Um, the modern day Satanists, who I think must be quite different from what the founder of this hotel Satanism was like, because nowadays they're known as quite do I say chill? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, they fight against the whole, like, satanic panic. Oh, they go around doing blood sacrifices and all that thing. Like, it's like a less smarmy version of, like, Flying Spaghetti Monster. Yeah. Where it's like, it, their whole point is to campaign against separation of church and state. Yeah. And things like that. Um, whereas, obviously, this is very literally... <laughs> Hail um, Satan. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so the modern day Satanists are very quick to point out that these disappearances only began happening once the new management took over. And they think that it's because the Satanism from before um, was keeping all the ghosts away and like, protecting the living, that the new management like took away all the occult mod cons and um, <laughs> like the chicken coop and the whirling bad <laughs> Occult mod cons, yes. like a chicken coop. Yes. <laughs> Do you use the eggs? Probably. Mm. Okay. Maybe that was a sacrifice in the end. I dropped a TV remote. I'm sorry. Um, so as of 2008, there have been six mysterious disappearances. Most recently, um, this guy called uh, Irving F. Bishop and his four-year-old daughter from New, Jer- New Jersey disappeared between 11pm November 15, 2008 and 4am the next day. Um, the four-year-old daughter couldn't sleep, so he took her on a walk around the hotel and just after they left the mum Joanne Newnan Bishop fell asleep and then when she woke up around 3.50 in the morning they still had not returned and as far as I know they haven't been found Mm. here's my bonus so on one of the so I got a lot of information from a blog called Ghosts of Providence and I was going through the comments and a lot of people commented who have stayed there and had their own Ooh. So I thought I'd read a few Please do. choice ones. It's exciting. So this is from Ein? <laughs> Ain? Amy? I don't know. Um, 2010. They say, I was there for two weeks on a job with a crew of 50. I could not sleep and woke up every night at 3am. Then I had what I thought was a dream. A woman pressing on top of me. I freaked out, dialed my co-worker sleeping on the upper levels and slept in her room the rest of the weeks. This place is haunted. (laughs) Here's another one. Prop Girl, 2012. Oh my goodness, I've been here since Monday and I had a nightmare that something's pressing down on me. I was suffocating in my dream and woke up completely gasping for air. It was room 906. I switched rooms right after. Sarita Moldovan. August 24th, 2012. Wow, I only got to this page because of my experience at this hotel. I woke up initially at 1.15 because something touched my eyelid. I closed my eyes and put my head back on the pillow again. Instantly, something touched my eyes again. I freaked out and turned the light on. I finally fell asleep. Then I woke up at 3 something in the morning with what felt like a man pressing down on me. 
I could not move, breathe, or open my mouth, or open my eyes. I finally let out a scary screeching sound that woke up my husband. He was on the other end of the king-size bed. I made him move right next to me, because that was the only way I was comfortable. I didn't sleep the rest of the night. Another one from A. Dylan. I stayed in room 833 last Wednesday night. I had never heard of a Biltmore being haunted. I did have an unusual experience. Before I went to bed, I shut the security lock. The one that is a long piece of metal above the regular locks. Yes, thank you. <laughs> in the morning, when I was leaving to get my coffee, I noticed that the lock was open. Thinking I may have just forgotten, I didn't think much of it. When I got back to the room, I closed the door and made sure I shut the security lock before taking my shower. When I got out of the shower, I checked the door and sure enough, it was open. I will not be going back. <laughs> uh, this person, whose name is just a long chain of numbers, um, says... I swear to all of you that I stayed there in June of 2001 for six nights and there was a ghost in my room. I saw her image twice and I freaked out. When I checked out, the front desk clerk informed me that I was not the first person to see a ghost at the hotel. It was really scary. I never believe people when they tell me they see ghosts, but after that experience, I am now a believer. Um, oh, God. Someone called Cheese Muffin. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed at the Providence Biltmore for one night and I will not be going back. There was a rumour that a 16th floor was haunted, so me and my friend went up there to investigate. When we got there, I heard giggling and I swear I saw a ghost whiz by. Definitely haunted. And someone else <laughs> heard moaning and loud bumps, but I mean, that could be... <laughs> that's staying in a hotel. That's, that's staying in a hotel. Yeah. No, I think that's kind of... It is people but i know a story about this hotel i didn't know any of that the story i know is that so in the film of the shining the hotel that's completely different yeah um they film somewhere else and it's big open spaces uh but stephen king really hated the film and then wrote a i think about 10 years later there's like a really bad tv version And they filmed in that hotel oh. because that's what he was imagining when he yeah. wrote it. And he, like, stayed there to write the book. And uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's because it's really, really, like, very low ceilings yeah. and very cluttered and cramped. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, as you can probably imagine, it's not quite the very same cinematic. feeling of the one in the movie. No. Um, so I've seen it's interesting because I didn't know any of that but I knew the and I could visualise it because I've seen lots of that TV film yeah and it's lots of uh, carpet and wallpaper and things on little tiny it looks a little bit like uh, the dragonfly in oh yeah yeah. Gilmore Girls but like less nice (laughs) but how it would look in our missing murder mystery season Yes, of course. Um, I'd love to stay at a haunted hotel. Just FYI. I think there's one in Rye, maybe. I know my friend has stayed in a haunted hotel before. Did they see anything? I don't think he did. Mm. He said he he did have a feeling about it. I don't know if he saw anything. It's on my to-do list. (laughs) To-boo list. Um, Okie dokie. Thank you for that. Welcome. Adding it again to the list of uh, visitor destinations. Um, we're going to think bring things back to lovely, lovely England. <laughs> um, 
For my story, I used uh, Snopes.com, BirminghamMail.com. Co.uk, Huffington Post, Gizmodo, and Creepypasta.com. Wow, this is like whole, like, uh, Frankenstein Of, yeah, posters. references. It's because um, this is a little bit about a phenomena. Oh. But with a story. Factual basis. A factual basis, yes. Actually, more very factual, and um, my storing... My story does have a bit of a trigger warning okay. for content which would be right at home in an episode of My Favourite Murder. Um, I'm going to flag post the paragraph it happens in and I'll find yeah. time codes and stuff. And also I've tried to not say any details. Um, but my story is called The Black-Eyed Children. Oh. I vaguely had of like I've not had any of it in England actually though, the UK. This I've only is, heard of American ones. I know. So there's a difference between them as well, <gasps> which is interesting. Um, but this is basically an episode of Law, so I may do my impression. <laughs> Stories of black-eyed children have been told around the world. While details are different, some claiming them to be everything from vampires to extraterrestrials to demons to beings from the future, the description of their appearance is always the same. They resemble children, between 6 and 16, in every way other than their eyes, or at least where their eyes should be. <laughs> For the black-eyed children don't have eyes. They don't have anything yeah, there. <laughs> Just deep, dark sockets. I'm Aaron Menke, and this is Law. <laughs> do, 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 do. No, I'm going to do the rest of my own voice. So you sound like... When you do that, it's, you sound like a sort of artificial intelligence. He sort of sounds like an artificial yeah. intelligence, imagine, but... <gasps> imagine if that was, like, a twist all along and he isn't a real person. Okay, my favourite episode of Law is one about, um, new motive power. Do you know about that? I must have listened to it, because I listened to them all, but I don't remember. It's when someone tried to create the Messiah. Oh, and it was, like, a weird robot-y thing. Yeah, yeah. That, like, they did, like, a birthing ceremony. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, maybe he is that new motive power. Anyway, okay, so The Black-Eyed Children is a folklore story um, of seeing children with dark eye sockets. Um, they're described as breathless, cold, still, and often speak in croaky, monotone voices. Sometimes they make requests like, may I use the bathroom? Can I make a call? Can I get a ride home? May I have something to eat? <laughs> Uh, the urban legend is that they often appear to adults when they are on their own, either on their front porch or while driving down the road. Um, they reached public prominence in America in 1998 when Brian Bethel wrote about those damn black-eyed kids that stand outside the movie theatre in a Texan mailing list, to which several other readers corroborated the sightings. Hmm. Black-eyed children, um, black-eyed children fever reached. I wrote this badly. Fever <laughs> reached fever pitch <laughs> in 2014 when a video on the subject was uploaded to the MSN Entertainment website. A horror movie soon followed called The Black-Eyed Kids and the idea of them fell into the same sort of category as Slender Man and other urban myths. However, their appearance in the picturesque town of Cannock Chase in Staffordshire, England was anything but a fun internet fright. I've not heard of this. 
What? I've not heard of it. Be right, perfectly chilled. <laughs> Cannock Chase is an official area of outstanding natural beauty. It is known for its hiking and biking trails, and also its dark side. As well as a few... As well as these hauntings I'm going to talk about, it has its own cryptid in the form of the pig man. <laughs> a humanoid... I, I laughed, but it's a humanoid figure in tattered clothes with the unmistakable snout and shrill squealing of a pig. Oh, that's really horrible. That's my nightmare. Um, yeah, that's deeply unpleasant. Uh, however, it was also in... 24- so it was in 2014 when the black-eyed children had um, have been most recently spotted the same year as all the hype on the internet about them. But their story goes back almost 50 years. One key difference between the uh, these ones and the ones seen in America is that these children exclusively appear during the daytime. Mm. Paran- which I find creepy. Yeah. Paranormal researcher Lee Brickley was told to investigate Cannock Chase when he was contacted with this story. On September 13th of September, my wife and I were walking through Canuck Chase near Stile Cop with our dog. Once we had entered the woodland and the road was no longer visible, we started to hear the giggling noise of a little girl. To our amazement, a child, no taller than one metre in height, appeared as if out of nowhere further up the path in front of us. We stopped dead in our tracks after noticing her eyes had no colour. Her head was tilted to the side in much the same way as to appear if she had been hung or hanged we stared uh, she stared at us for about five minutes before running away into the densely grouped areas of trees my my, my wife wanted to follow her but i was having none of it <laughs> it tallied up with another story that brickley had been told from the same year this is this story around two months ago my daughter and i were walking through birch's valley an area well known for its special for its spectral sightings, when we heard the screams of a young child. I couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl, but they definitely seemed in distress and sounded very close to us, so we instantly started running towards the noise. We couldn't find the child anywhere and so stopped to catch our breath. That's when I turned around and saw a girl stood behind me, no more than ten years old, with her hands over her eyes, like she was waiting for a birthday cake. I asked if she was okay and if she had been the one screaming. She then put her arm down by her sides and opened her eyes, which was when we saw that they were completely black. No irises, no white, no nothing. I jumped back and grabbed my daughter. When I looked again, the child was gone. It was strange, really. I knew something was going to happen even before it did. I just had a weird feeling. Brinkley initially believed that these things might be some malevolent spirit, as the black-eyed children had traditionally led adults into dangerous situations. Over the next two years, he received nine different reports from uh, with every similar detail, uh, with very similar details: the sounds of screaming, but the image of a child who is laughing or playful. However, he compared it to a similar story from years before, which were much more pained, frightened, and without any of the laughter or jokes. Um, one story found was in 1982, an 18-year-old girl had followed the sounds of a little girl shouting for help. She stumbled upon a dirt track and caught sight of a 6- to 8-year-old girl running in the opposite direction, shouting, Help, Mummy, help. By now, it was getting dark, and the little girl had reached an area of very densely planted, thick and bushy trees. 
She turned around to face the 18-year-old, looked her dead in the eyes, and then ran off into the dark, uh, as if frightened by her. Brinkley investigated further and found that the sightings of the black-eyed children had started around 1964. Investigating further into local news to see if something had triggered the uh, horror, he was shocked. Now, this is when I have an actual trigger warning for details. Um, I'll put a time code in the show notes to say when to come back, but I promise I don't go into any details. In 1964, a nine-year-old, Julia Taylor, was lured into a car, strangled, assaulted, and left on the side of the road for dead. However, she was found and rescued by a passing cyclist. She claimed that the man in the car had uh, claimed to be a friend of her mother's and was going to drive her home, but she couldn't give a good description of the man. In 1966, the bodies of Margaret Reynolds, age six, and Diana Joe Tift, age five, were found together in a ditch in Cannock Chase, having been missing for several weeks, uh, for several months. Um, and in 1967, seven-year-old Christine Darby was found a mile from the other, from where the others had uh, been found. She had been there for three days, and several locals had said they'd seen her getting into a grey Austin A55. Um, what followed was the largest manhunt in British criminal history. 150 detectives, 39,000 homes visited, 80,000 people interviewed, and over a million cars were checked. Every Austin A55 in the Midlands was checked, and a face composite was used for the first time in British history. Um, and while it didn't reveal who did it when the man was eventually caught, which he was, uh, the resemblance was uncanny. The man was Raymond Morris, who was convicted based on his attempting to do it again. An 18-year-old woman had witnessed a 10-year-old Margaret Alton escaping from a green Ford Corsair and had made note of the license plate. The police found Morris, who had been... Uh, interviewed for these murders four times in the last few years Um, but his wife had always been an alibi Um, in his home indecent photos of young girls were found including some of his niece um, but none of the victims Um, and uh, when he came to trial the first victim the one who got away Mm. uh, who survived Julia Taylor now a teenager said that's him that's the man who did it um, Raymond Morris was given a life sentence for the murder of, uh, murder of Christine. Um, unfortunately, the other two he wasn't tried for, but he was given a life sentence and he died in prison. Can you guess when he died? 2014. Mm. The black-eyed ghosts of Cannock Chase are believed to be the spirits of Margaret and Diana and Christine. And if the reports are to be believed since the death of their murderer, they seem to at least be enjoying themselves a bit more. Hmm. That's really creepy. It's a bit creepy, yes. But I think the fact that the difference between the American ones, Mm. which are more like a... They're more like out to get you. Yes, and they feel like they're not the ghost of any particular child. They're the... uh... It's more like something else pretending to be a child and not getting it right. They remind me a bit of sort of Japanese like spirits yeah. that you read about like trickster spirits almost. yeah whereas these ones have there's been many reportings of seeing them there but no, they've never harmed anybody yeah um and the fact that 
that's where Children of the Last Age were found is a, a coincidence, I suppose, or mm. is not. It? Sorry, that was a bit of a downer. I mean, it's a podcast about dead things, so... Yeah. I love when... Uh, um, I was think I was watching the Funny Bones title sequence, <laughs> this thing about skeletons, yeah. and it was like there was a big skeleton, a baby skeleton, and I'm like, oh, like <laughs> when you realise, like, oh, that same thing happened in a Zelda game when you get attacked by all these little like small yeah. skeletons, I'm like, oh, a little, ba- oh, <laughs> um, yeah, sorry about that, that was a bit creepy. Well, not creepy, just sad. At least they're hopefully having a good time now. Uh, <laughs> They'll probably be happier alive. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm glad the person was caught. And I found all the yeah. stuff about the size of the manhunt quite interesting. Yeah, that's kind of like obviously a big... Because I've not even heard of those murders before. No, what I researched, it often said that um, it was much bigger than the Moors murders. Yeah. But for whatever reason, that one caught... I guess because the Moors was maybe particularly quite cruel. In yeah. the way it was like... Well, I left out a lot of details because oh, we're not right. a murder podcast, but yeah. um, I think... I think um, maybe the Moors as well, I think, um, the involvement of more women probably caught the attention of the press a lot more. Yes. I think, because it's like, how could women do that? I think, you know, they think that's not very womanly. Think, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean. It's, like, more expect- it's less expected. I think it surprised people. It's less that... expected that women would be would commit that kind of crime. Yeah, I mean, I, again, because we're a ghost podcast, I wasn't going to go into too much detail about mm-hmm. even um, the murderer, but he'd had all kinds of run-ins and yeah. bad things, but fuck him. Uh, <laughs> we, we are the ghost podcast. Um, yeah. To lighten the mood, next episode, we're going to do a Goosebump special. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be talking a bit about the recent uh, uh, movie ish. adaptation. Was it 2016? I think so. Yeah. Uh, with Jack Black. And Jimmy Carr. And <laughs> Jimmy Carr as Slappy. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to reminisce about the TV series. Mm. and um, Should we read a book? Should we read and review a Goosebumps book yeah. each? Yeah, we'll end up... We'll make sure they're different ones. Yeah. Well, I might see if I have one lurking around my home somewhere. I must do. I'm not, sure I'll... I can get one in a charity oh, shop. Yeah. I assume as someone from the, the current... I think... I've at some point owned one of the ones of Slappy in, so. I'm intrigued to read the uh, one with the sponge, <laughs> just because it's so frightening in the TV series. So um, come back. Uh, so send us your Goosebumps related yeah. nostalgia. Or, um, or Rex. Rex and uh, I don't know. Thoughts. Thoughts, feelings. Do you like it more than Are You Afraid of the Dark or less? I know there's a schism yeah, in the... in the spooky community. Well, in this very podcast, yeah. so far, we're divided. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about it. And um, my, can I say my favourite... What are you doing? Don't <laughs> I'm going to quote my favourite... Because we just watched the movie yeah. in preparation. But and then we decided, actually... I'm going to say my favourite... I'm going to save my. I'm going to say my favourite quote from the film. What was that? Every story is comprised of three parts. <laughs> the beginning, the middle, and the twist. <laughs> uh, and with that... Yeah. I'm not Tiffany Baxter. I'm not Hamish Steele. 
And this wasn't the Poltercast. <laughs> oh, wait. Don't follow us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't follow us at thepoltercast.twitter.com. Or, or email us at thepoltercast at gmail.com. Don't do that. No thanks to Graham Waller for our theme tune. And with that, um, stay awake in... I can't do an opposite of it. What's the opposite of peace? War. Get, get, be active in war. (laughs) (laughs) Rest in peace. Mm.